Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Praise God. Did you feel his spirit this morning? Boy, it's hard not to get just riled up in that, isn't it? You know what that means? That means God is going to cause your Red Sea to part. He's going to move your mountain. He's going to heal your body. Amen. Go ahead. Give him glory. It's worth it. Amen. Praise God. There's a couple things that we want to uh, do this morning before we get into our sermon. Uh, First of all, I want to ask Luke Schneider if he would come to the stage. Brother Luke, amen. We want to take this moment, we want to lay hands on Luke this morning. Luke, um, so today is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so either this Wednesday or next Wednesday, however you look at it, uh, I was corrected earlier, so uh, it's Wednesday, the next one coming up. Luke is leaving, he's going to Bible school, amen. And so he's going up to Redding, California. going to spend some time up there, and he's going to be going to the school that my daughter is going to, and so uh, we're believing God for great things. This young man, let me just say this, I, I didn't have the opportunity to say it in the 830 service, but you know what, Luke, I have watched you grow, and I remember when you came to church here, and I've just watched um, you become the man of God that you are, and you know what the great news, Luke, is you're just beginning. Yeah. You're just starting, and you know what? Uh, there is such a wonderful anointing on you, and I know that, that you have confided in me about uh, your passion for worship and music and writing music. I have no doubt that you will write songs that will touch the world, and I have no doubt that you will be a great man of God. Amen. And so... You know what, it is my uh, privilege to lay hands on you. And so I'm gonna ask the congregation if you would just stretch your hand forward and let's just pray over Luke. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, we lay hands upon Luke. We anoint him, God. We, we send him out, God, as he goes uh, in this great adventure. Father, he takes us with him. And Father, we pray that your blessing would be upon him, your favor. God, that favor would go before him and that goodness and mercy would follow after him. Father, we pray that you meet every need. Father, that you would protect him, keep him safe in all his travels. Father, we pray that as his mind and heart and spirit is opened to you and to your possibilities, that he would have a revelation of who you are, my Father, who he is in you, and that God, that you would use him in ways that he can only imagine. Father, I pray do exceedingly abundantly above all that he can think or ask. And Father, we stand with him and we go with him, Father. And we know that you have great things for him. And we look forward to hearing the testimony of your goodness in his life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. Also, uh, just so you know, um, today at five o'clock in the multi-purpose room, today at five o'clock over there in the next room, uh, we are having a going away party. There's going to be food. And so it's be food, fun and fellowship. Come on with us uh, and celebrate with uh, um, Luke and his family and just give him a good send off. Uh, We do believe God's going to do some great things. Can you say amen? Also, before we get into our uh, uh, sermon today, there is something that I would like to let you know uh, that I'm doing. Um, 
I was kind of confronted with something the other day, and, and it, it was something that the Lord really laid on my heart. Uh, uh, a lady had come into our church, had requested to see me and talk with me, and as we sat down and talked, um, it became evident that I didn't know this woman, and um, that disturbed me. He said, why did that disturb you? Because she's been going to our church a while. <laughs> and so it's like, ah, uh -huh. And so I want to solve that problem. You said, well, how are you going to solve it? Well, I'm coming up with something called dinner with pastor. And uh, what that's going to be is there is a sign-up list right now at the, uh, at the uh, um, information desk as you're going out in the information center. And uh, hopefully we could start as soon as next week, but we're not real sure yet, but we'll give you a date. And so if you would like to have dinner with me and Kathy, and you say, well, what's dinner? Well, I'm going to define it. If you're from back east, dinner is lunch. <laughs> Supper is what you do in the evening. So we may have dinner, we may have lupper, we may have... <laughs> Dinner, supper, we may have breakfast, I don't know. Uh, we're going to work that out. It's going to be my treat. And uh, what this is, is this is an opportunity. If you would like to have dinner with Kathy and I, um, then sign up. And what we're going to do is, is get those appointments out and, and we'll c uh, connect with you. We're going to need your phone number, your email text message, smoke signals, however we connect with you. But we're going to connect with you. We want to get to know you, and, and we want to get to know everyone here. And we want to let you know that uh, we're available to you. And sometimes uh, things happen where we don't always get connected, but we want to get connected because we enjoy connecting with people. And so uh, just if, if that's something you'd like to do, there's no obligation um, we're not going to stick you with the bill. Um, some of you maybe. No, no, I'm just teasing. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll take care of that and, and we'll just have a good time. And we're not just going to take you to McDonald's for a cheeseburger. We're, except for Frank. I heard him laughing back there. Not really, Frank. We'll take you somewhere special. Amen. But uh, yeah, so if you want to sign up, you could do that and we'll get back with you on that. Amen. So we want to begin today... Um, and look at, again, our uh, uh, series. We started a series last week entitled The Way of the Overcomer, and we began our series with a message that was entitled More Than Conquerors. How many know that we really are more than conquerors, aren't we? You know what? We, we, um, we carry this title. It's part of our identity. And the problem is that I see is far too many Christians are falling prey um, and falling victim to the trials and tribulations of life. Can you say amen? And it's absolutely unnecessary. Let me say this to you. You don't have to fall victim to the problems and the trials, the tribulations of this life. Look at we, the Bible tells us, we have within ourselves because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his work on the cross, we have victory. There will be victory here now. Let me tell you something. There is victory. Every one of you walking in this building is an example. You are the personification right now of victory in Christ. The greatest miracle of all miracles took place in your life. Salvation came to you. Jesus uh, came and he 
took up residence in your heart by his spirit. He dwells in you. He lives in you. You're saved. You've been, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and you've been given a new life, and now you have victory. And so even though we will fully admit that there are times in life that are difficult, there are problems, there are, uh, there are setbacks, we don't deny that. We don't deny the reality of difficult days. That's, that's not something the Bible denies. It's, it's not even a lack of faith to say, I'm having a difficult day. Paul the Apostle did it. Jesus did it. The Bible talks about the fact that Jesus would often have to get alone in the wilderness to pray, to speak to the Father, so that he could re-energize to face the realities of this life and the demands on him. Can you say amen? And there were times, even when Jesus' life was coming to an end, he was about ready to be crucified, he went into the garden and he talked to his father and he said, look, father, if there's any other way, because he was greatly concerned, this, is, this was not going to be just a common event. This event was going to split time in half. Can you say amen? And, and, and Jesus comes, he says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass before me. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He didn't deny the, the reality of the hardship, what he he did, though, is he took solace and hope in the reality, the greater reality of God's victory that was in him. Can you say amen? And that victory lives in each inside, each, inside each one of us today. Every one of us have that victory. And we need to understand that. The Bible this morning is very clear when it comes to the idea of the continuing permanent victory that we enjoy. The reason I use those words, the continuing permanent, is because it's not static. It is permanent, but it is growing, and it's getting bigger. And the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not given a little bit of victory. We're given all victory. Can you say amen? amen. Your victory, though, let me say this. Here's, here's the difficulty. Your victory may not come the way you thought it would. I think that's the problem with a lot of Christian, Christians in, in Christianity is we have a way we think it ought to be done. We, there's, there's things that, you know, we, we, we go, this is the way I would like it done. And oftentimes we end up disappointed thinking that somehow God has missed us when our victory don't come the way that it should. Can you say Amen. For instance, let me give you a perfect example. Let's say that God is protecting you from a head-on collision and certain death. Now, the way we would like that is we would like God to show up on the big screen TV and go, hey, don't go down this road because there's danger ahead. That would make sense. It'd be like, whoa, man, God just spoke to me. That's great. But sometimes what happens is life will happen. You know what? There'll be a little delay or there'll be just a little bit of a setback and it'll be like, oh man, what's going on here? How come I got this flat tire and it takes you 10 minutes to fix it, but it avoided a head-on collision? Sometimes, see, one of the things that I've learned in life is, is that not everything in life is a bad thing. Just because something happens doesn't mean it's bad. And the reality is, is sometimes in life, God's doing more for me than I can understand. And if I will open my eyes, and if I will get a hold of this, I will begin to see the hand of God in everything. 
It's not God. God didn't go out and say to Gabriel, the angels, go take an ice pick and pop his tire. That's not what he said. It's, it's not what he's doing. But what happens is sometimes things take place in life and God goes, look at, just be patient. It's okay. I've got this under control. Can you say amen? I'm doing something. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. He goes, because my ways are way higher than yours because I see a lot further down the road. And sometimes we get upset and we think that we don't have victory because it didn't happen the way we prescribed it to happen. But let me tell you this, victory is not an option. It's not an option. It's not a, 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 a thing that comes and goes. It's an identity. Victory is your birthright. Victory is who you are. I don't care today. Read my lips. I don't care what is going on in your life. You have the victory. Amen. And you say, well, it's, I still, I don't see it. You're not done yet. Right. If good hasn't come, God's not done yet. Amen. It's, you're just, it's like, I want to go to Disneyland. Don't stop in Ludlow. Amen. When going through hell, don't stop. It's, it's like, you know, when we go through hell, it's we want to stop and camp out. I don't want to camp in Ludlow. I'm moving on, man. I'm, I'm getting on through Ludlow. I know they have a Dairy Queen there. It entices me every time, but I ain't stopping. I'm getting on through. It's hot there. Ice cream melts before you get to the car. It's, it's sinister. It's evil. It's the devil. Yeah. I ain't stopping in hell. No way, man. Get on through. I'm going to Disneyland. I know it's difficult right now, but we ain't there yet. But yet the good news is with God is along the way, God's going to meet with you. You get to ride in an air-conditioned car. Do you remember the folks that were the pioneers of this area? They came with, you know, an ox pulling a cart. There's a reason they called it Death Valley. Because people died there. <laughs> Amen. We, can, we, 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 we go through traffic and it's like, I, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. It's, God is good. Can you say amen? He is good. So let's look at our text today. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says this, and look at, before we really read this, let me say this to you. We've got to catch this. What I'm about to teach today can't be taught. It has to be caught. I know, I'm, I know, I just said it. I'm teaching it, and it can't really be taught, but you need to catch this. It's a revelation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Revelations 12, 11. It says, and they overcame him. Now stop right there. Who's they? It's us. It's the saints of God. They overcame him, who's him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. This is powerful, and we need to see what's happening. And we begin this second message by coming to understand <clears throat> that the most powerful substance in all of creation is the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus. And if we're going to walk if we're going to walk the way of the overcomer, then we must without exception, listen to me, without exception, understand the power in the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Now look, church, we all, everyone in this room, <coughs> if you've been saved a little while, know 
you know about the blood. We sing songs. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. I don't sing. That's why I preach. <clears throat> There's power in the blood. We know it. We sing songs about it. We, in, we mentally ascend to the blood of Jesus. But what happens when crunch time happens? What happens when we're going through a hard spot? What happens when there's a difficult day? What happens when we're like Paul in our sermon last week and we find ourselves coming up against a rock and a hard spot and it seems like the only way out is death? That's when the blood of Jesus, that's when the knowledge, the intimacy of the blood and knowing what the blood is all about, that's when that's got to rise. And we begin to realize, wait a second, I have been bought with a price. I was paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Our text tells us that we have overcome, we've defeated, we've conquered, we've triumphed, and we've won the victory over the enemy of our soul because of the blood. Look at the devil has been rendered powerless. His authority has been taken away. He said, well, why does, why does it seem like he still buffets me? Because we give him authority by believing a lie. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. What he does, see, you have power. Come on. Jesus lives in you. The Bible says that all power in heaven and earth has been given to Christ and that he, the, the, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him, right? And Jesus dwells in you. That means all power in heaven and earth are in you by virtue of Christ. So far, so good? Okay, so that means you have power. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You've been given his word, his name, his blood, all of these things. You have that power and that authority and you have the right... To use it because you are a child of God. You don't have a spirit of fear where you're in bondage that leads you back to bondage. You have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Can you say amen? amen. And because you have received him, he has given you the right, the privilege, the authority to become his son. And now that authority has been given to you. But what the devil does is the devil comes to you and he begins to lie to you. And when we believe the lie, he siphons off our power. And then he turns that power that is ours against us. His power, his authority have been taken. Jesus, when he died on the cross, the Bible said, made an open show of him. Drug him through the center of town, naked and bruised, conquered, defeated. But now what happens is when we believe him over the word or over Jesus, he's empowered and he turns that power on us. But when we get a revelation of the blood of Jesus and the power that's in us, now we can begin to walk the way of the overcomer. Now listen. Because of the blood of Jesus, listen, because of the blood of Jesus, the separation between us and God has been closed. How many remember all the way back in the garden 
God told Adam and Eve, said, look at everything in the garden is yours. I want you to go. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to tend it. I want you to take care of it. He says, but I've planted a tree in the center of the garden. That tree has fruit that I don't want you to eat. Don't eat that fruit because the moment you eat that fruit, you will surely die. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve were tempted. Eve being tempted first, she gave to her husband and he just sold the farm, took it with her. And they ate the fruit and at that very moment, they spiritually died. There was a disconnect. There was a wedge. How many know that sin drives a wedge between us and God? And at that moment, a wedge was driven They were separate. They went and they hid themselves. They became ashamed, the Bible says. And they hid from God. And God had to go looking for them. Well, then the plan of God was that through sacrifice, through the blood sacrifice, that there would be a reconnecting of God and his children. Can you say amen? Amen. And so what happens is we fast forward into Jesus and Jesus sheds his blood. Now, once and for all, this blood is able to permanently close the gap or drive out the wedge between us and the Father. And now we've been made right with God. We are now made right before him. We have righteousness that is not from a work of doing but from faith in him. And you know what the amazing thing about God is? Is that he even gives us the faith that's required to bring around that righteousness. And then what he does is he comes into this place and says, look it, I'm going to not only make you right before me, I'm going to make you whole in every way. In your body, your mind, and your spirit. And then now we see that the blood of the lamb is the very essence of our salvation. Listen, no longer are we stained with sin. We are now stained by the blood. When God sees us, he does not see sin. He sees the blood. Can you say amen to that? See, I'm going to get controversial. Is that okay? Can I get controversial? Okay, I'm I'm going to, this will probably cost me, but that's okay. I counted the cost. There's a statement that's often used in Christianity, and it's this, I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's a lie. I'm not a sinner. But Paul said, no, no, go back, you gotta read it, you gotta read it in context, it's not what Paul's saying. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay. Romans chapter seven. Remember Romans chapter seven, he goes through and he says, I find something that's a work in me. He said, I don't understand myself at all. He goes, when I want to do right, I don't. When I don't want to do wrong, I do it. Remember? But if you go back, you go back all the way into six, he's talking about dying with Christ. He says, when I'm in Christ, I'm dead to sin. And he says, likewise, reckon yourselves dead to sin. Then he goes on and right at the end of six and the beginning of seven, he uses the example of the covenant relationship between husband and wife. And he says, look at when the wife dies or if the husband dies, then the other is free from that covenant. 
And he's using that example to show that we have died to sin. No longer are we in covenant to sin. We're not. We died when we were in Christ. We died with him. Paul writes, he says, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, the life that I now live, I live in Christ. He says, Christ lives in me. I'm not alive. Jesus is alive in me because of the blood. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so now all of a sudden, I have this new identity. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm more than an overcomer. I'm the body of Christ. I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the son of God. I'm not a sinner. Now think about it for a moment. If I walked up to you and said, hey, I'm a painter. What would, that, what would you suppose from that? That you paint. If I walked up and said, I'm a baker. What would you suppose? That you bake. If I walk up and I go, I'm a sinner, you sin. Go, come on, now now you're getting controversial. You saying you have no sin? No. Here's what I'm saying. I'm a saint to God who occasionally messes up. I'm not a sinner. That's not my identity. I'm not going to draw my identity in sin. I'm going to draw my identity in him. I'm going to draw who I am, not from what I do, but from what he did. He has saved me and set me free. Now, occasionally, I get my feet tied up, and I go wrong ways, and I say wrong things, and I do stupid stuff, and I make mistakes. But Jesus says in John chapter 1 that I have an advocate with the Father, that I could go to him, and I could take care of that very quickly. That's not my identity, because I'm an overcomer. Can you say amen? Amen. See, too much of the church has forsaken this thing called the blood. Just out of ignorance. What we've done, it's not been evil. It's not that we've, you know, lost it and just, well, ooh, the blood. What we've done is we've just kind of minimized it. We, it's just kind of a quaint thing. It's like the blood of Jesus. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The blood of Jesus is the legal contract covenant that guarantees your victory. Can you say amen? Are you listening to me? See, to really understand the power in the blood, we need to go all the way back into history, and we need to look at the Passover just for a minute. And the Passover was memorialized by the movie Ten Commandments. Anybody ever see Cecil D. B. DeMille's Ten Commandments? Some of you young people, older people are raising their hand. If, if you've never seen the Ten Commandments, it's really, really cool. It was cutting edge of its day. It makes, it's really hokey now, but it was cutting edge back then. But it's a great movie. And it talks about the whole story of the Exodus. And he said, well, I want to read the real thing. Okay, Exodus chapter 5, verse, or chapter 13. You can read the story of the Exodus. But you know what? That story carries more with it than just good movie material. It is the pivotal event in history that demonstrates God's ability and power to deliver not only a people as individuals and his families, but an entire nation. And through Israel's deliverance, we see the power of God to break all the power of the enemy. Can you say amen? See, this process of deliverance began as God set a series of plagues into place that confronted Pharaoh's hard heart, his resistance, and also the demonic gods that he worshipped. But the greatest lesson in that epic struggle 
is this, the message of the ultimate source of power for redemption is in the blood of the lamb. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, as Pharaoh continued to refuse to release the children of Israel, plague after plague began to move in. And each following plague was greater in power. But the last plague carried with it a prophetic message, not only for them, but for us for salvation today. In Exodus chapter 12, verse number 12 and 13, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Lights were instructed by God to place blood, the blood of a lamb, on the doorposts of their house so that the plague of God's judgment would pass over their house. The Bible says the blood shall be a sign. It was not only a sign then, it is a sign today. Can you say amen? And it still provides protection to anyone under its shelter. That's the point. When the blood is applied, the blood applied to the door of our heart and our lives, it means freedom from certain destruction. Can you say amen? And the Passover in the Old Testament is the focal point of understanding the power of the blood. See, all sacrifice that proceeds after that in the Mosaic law is found on this principle of the blood. And it was through blood sacrifice that there was deliverance and protection and God provided a future. But the problem was, is that blood was... was not adequate. It could only cover for a season. There had to be something greater. There had to be something more. But it was a supernatural prophetic picture of what God wanted to do and fulfill in the person of Jesus. Listen, Jesus hadn't even begun his ministry when he came to be baptized. And John the Baptist said this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And everybody that heard it understood what that was saying. Because they understood the Passover. They understood the importance of the blood. They understood that their nation was given hope because of the blood. They were protected because of the blood. They, they, they avoided destruction because of the blood. And now the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is there, who is going to be slain, who's going to have his blood poured out. This is the reality of the blood. And when we deal with that subject of the blood, we are not dealing with some residue of religious activity back in the day. We are dealing with something that is infinitely value, yes. valuable. It has infinite value. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold for, from your aimless conduct, from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
We were redeemed. We were bought back by the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? And the reason that's so precious is because that blood is latent with power. Are you hearing me? It is the center of everything we believe. It is at the very center of our belief system. It is the foundational factor in all of human order. Can you say amen? amen? See, when we talk about the blood of Christ, we are dealing with life itself, aren't we? God said, life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. And that's why blood sacrifices were required to cover sin. But look at the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. So Jesus came and he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He shed his blood as payment because his blood was pure. And in Hebrews chapter 9, listen to these words. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle made not, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and, goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Look at, he didn't just wash you. He didn't just, look at, a lot of people look at the fact that God dealt with sin. He did deal with it, but that wasn't the hard part. Dealing with sin wasn't hard for God. God can deal with sin. Dealing with the devil is not hard for God. He can deal with the devil. What the hard part was is bringing you back into relationship. It took his exceeding great power, his might to do that. And it took the pure blood of Christ to bring you back into relationship with him. And now that blood is on your doorpost. It's on you. He didn't didn't just wash you clean. He delivered you. He set you free. He translated you, the Bible tells us, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Are you hearing me? He didn't just set us free. He gave us a future. In Revelations 1, 5, and 6, it says, To him who loves us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It was by and through his precious blood that we have eternal life. We've been redeemed, we've been set free, we've been washed clean, and we've been given an eternal kingdom made to rule with him in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's who we are. Amen. That's good stuff. There's power in the blood. The blood of Christ is the most powerful substance in all of history. But it's only beneficial if we apply it to our lives. It's only beneficial if we apply it to our lives. Can you say amen? See, every believer in Christ should know how to apply the blood. Every one of us. So this this should be fundamental to our living in Christ. We should learn this before we learn anything else. 
how to apply the blood. And I'm telling you today, I'm guaranteeing you today that if you'll get, get a hold of this, if you will catch this revelation, if you'll spend time meditating on this, this immediately will change your life. It'll deal with circumstances. It'll begin to move things. It'll begin to change things. You will see differently. The other day, I'll just share something. I haven't even, my wife knows about it, but she don't know the extent of it. The other day, I, was, I, I had gotten some news, and I was a little bit disturbed by the news. And I knew that, you know, I've been studying this stuff and all of that, and I knew I have a choice here. I can let the news just drive me into the ground as it always has and be bummed out and depressed and sullen and make everybody have a bad day. Or I could do something about it. And I looked at her, it was probably, I don't know, somewhere around nine o'clock at night. And I said, I'm going for a drive. She goes, where are you going? I said, I'm just going for a drive. I got in the car and what I decided to do is rather than just go down the road that I've always gone and get what I always got, I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna apply the blood. And I had determined when I got in the car that it was not coming home until I was free. And if that meant that I had to be gone for 10 hours, so be it. We'll go get gas, we'll refuel, we'll do, we'll do what we gotta do, I'm going. But this, I am done losing this battle. I'm done being a victim of this stuff. This information is pure information. I don't even know if there's truth to it, but I'm tired of it driving me into the ground. And so I got in the car and I begin to pray and I begin to plead the blood over my mind. I begin to talk to God and I begin to say the blood of Jesus on my mind. And that blood began to move in me spiritually. And there was a movement that began to wash my thoughts. It began to cleanse me and it began to move upon me. And I worshiped him. And you know, it probably took about 45 minutes. But then all of a sudden there was freedom. And I remember, I could tell you exactly where I was. I was in front of Wallapai School over there on Eastern. And I was driving down Eastern and I remember just all of a sudden there was, it was kind of like, you know how you're flying through clouds and you just kind of come out of the cloud cover and there's blue light blue sky. I went, whoa, I feel better. So I just continued to praise him. But somewhere what I did is I said, you know what? The blood of Jesus set me free. The blood of Jesus has made difference in me. The Bible says this. He says in Proverbs chapter three, verse five, he says, trust in me with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but acknowledge me in all your way. And so I begin to simply do what the word said. God, I don't know what to do with this, but I trust you. And I said to him out loud, I make a decision of my will to trust you. I refuse not to trust you. I am not going to try to figure this out, God, because I don't have enough information to figure it out. And what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to acknowledge you. And one of the ways that we acknowledge him is by applying the blood. See, when we say we plead the blood of Jesus, we're not talking about begging. We're talking about a legal position. Listen to me. When we talk about pleading the blood, it is as if a lawyer goes into court and pleads our case with evidence that we, in fact, are innocent. And you say, what is the evidence? It is the broken body of Christ that stands before God and the blood that is on the altar. That is the evidence that I have been set free. My covenant with him is signed in the blood of Jesus and it is a legal position. Hallelujah. 
and there is nothing that can change it. You say, how do you know that that's true? I know that that is true because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ sets me free from the law of sin and death. You say, what does that mean? Let me tell you something. Back in the Old Testament, there was a precedent set among kings. Is that when a king made a law or a proclamation, nothing could change it, even him. He could not rescind the law. So back in, if you remember, there was a time when kings would do that. And I, I, I believe it was with uh, Esther... She was the night, the one that went spend the night with the king, right, Esther? So she was there, and Esther was there, and we know the story. How she there was all this stuff going on, and he, the king was being tricked, and so finally his his uh, uh, servants had convinced him to pass a law to kill Jews. Well, Esther came. And she spent a whole year getting beautified, all these beauty treatments, to spend one night with the king. And when she had that night with him, she began to explain to him the plight of the Jews. And so the king could not reverse his first law, but what he could do is put another law that was a higher law in place that would overrun or supersede the new old law. And what Jesus did with dying on the cross and shedding his blood, he dealt with the sin problem by putting a brand new law in. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, the law was sin and death. It was a curse, and nothing could change it. But Jesus comes, dies on the cross, sheds his blood, and now the law of the spirit of life, the life is in the blood, life in Christ sets me free from the law of sin and death. It sets me free from the consequence of sin. It overpowers it. Now I am able to do right before the Lord. I am now able to make a choice to say no to sin. I'm able to resist temptation. I'm able to walk a different way. Why? Because there's a new law. And I'm subject to the new law. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, it says he delivered me from the kingdom of darkness. It says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, translated us into the kingdom of, his, of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's not just about fire insurance. It's not just that I'm forgiven. It's about the fact that it's brand new and I'm victorious in him. Nothing is the same. And now I have the right and the privilege to say, I plead the blood. When the devil comes and says, you're a failure, I go, you know what? I plead the blood against that. You're a liar. I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. You're going to be sick and die. No, the blood of Jesus is against you. I got evidence. By his stripes, I am healed. How do you know you're healed? Look at all them stripes on his back. Don't go by your symptom. Go by his stripes. What are you going to pay attention to? The symptom or his stripes? I get it. I'm not a novice. I've been there. Been sick. I know what it's like to have symptoms. 
But we get to choose what we pay attention to. I pay attention to the stripes upon his back. I pay attention to the blood dripping off the altar. I pay attention to the name of my Savior and the identity that he has given me through salvation. Can you say amen? I am more than a conqueror and the blood of Jesus is mine and I can plead the blood. I can argue the case and win. There's evidence. Can you say amen? I'll tell you, church, if we get a hold of this, we will change the world. He yes. said, so how do you know that? Because it will change your world. Yes. And when your world changes, other people's worlds will change. It's powerful. And I, I could tell you, I haven't done this justice. I can tell you there are those out there that have, I plead the blood of Jesus over this microphone in the name of Jesus right now. I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that need this. Church, the blood is not just about a song. We don't serve a wimpy God. Every drop of blood came out of his body. And he presented it to the Father. And he says, this is for our children. I paid the price. I paid the price. They're free. Father, they're free. In every way. I've restored everything. Every promise is now yes and amen. Why? Because I shed my blood. Are you catching that? Oh, church, it's powerful. We are more than overcomers. We can walk the way of the overcomer. He said in that very small one verse of scripture, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Amen. By the blood of the lamb. And next week, we'll talk about the word of their testimony. And the week after that, we'll talk about they didn't love their lives unto death. What does that mean? We have to pay attention to this, church. We need to walk in victory. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, God. We thank you so much. We thank you so much for what you've done. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word and the revelation And I pray right now, Father, for every person in this room. I pray for every person that's watching online. I pray right now, Father, that you would touch them, minister to them. Father, that we would have a revelation of the blood of Jesus. Lord, that we wouldn't just stack up info, that we wouldn't just know, but we would be intimate with the blood of Jesus that we would understand its wonder-working power. Father, we just give you glory. We give you honor. I pray for every person in this place. God, I pray for every situation, whether they be severe situations or minor, God, that your blood would be applied. We plead the blood right now in Jesus' name. I wonder as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're in this place today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I... I don't know if I know Jesus is my savior. I'm not right with God today. I've never asked for my sins to be forgiven. I've never asked Jesus to come in and cleanse me with his blood. But if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Would you lift it up? Say, that's me, pastor, I need Jesus. Amen, I see that hand in the back. I see that hand. You could put it down, anyone else? Amen, I see those hands. I wonder if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not, you know, I I got saved, but for some reason I 
kind of disconnected. I walked away. I, I find myself disjointed. I haven't spent time with him, but I want to reconnect to him. I want to rededicate my life to him. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Amen. I see those hands. Thank you. Hands, hands, lots of hands. You can put them down. Thank you. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to apply the blood of Jesus to my life, to my heart, to all that's going on inside of me. I receive you and I thank you for salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look up at me just for a moment. Before we go, I, I want to do one thing. For all of you, there were several of you that raised your hand. Here in just a moment, what we're going to do, let me just say something to the church. I, 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 I want to be, I want to tell you something that I really feel that we need to pay attention to. What has happened over the years is we, when we say prayer team come, that means what that is, is, you didn't hear prayer team come, you heard leave, run as fast as you can. We need to wait. God's not done. There's something about the altar call that we need to reestablish. Can you say amen? We need to wait on God. So for those of you that raised your hand, we're here for you. It's important that we pay attention to you. So we have this ministry team that comes up and I'm gonna ask the ministry team to come right now. And if you raised your hand, if you said, you know what, I, I needed salvation and rededication, these people here want to pray with you and help you and encourage you. Because sometimes we understand that doing that can be difficult. Also, if you're here and if you didn't raise your hand, but you have another need, sometimes you come and you're heavy, you're burdened, you have a need. These people have been trained to pray, trained to pray and believe God with you. And so we want you to come and be a, let them pray. That's why we have so many is so that we could get through that fast. So we are gonna stand to our feet. If you raised your hand or didn't, come on up. For the rest of you, we wanna dismiss you today. God bless you, you're free to go. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.